Are you ready, Christine? I think so. Are you ready, Ma? I believe I am. Listen to the story. This story is taking place in Transylvania. Mm. Now, there is a Transylvania University in Lexington, Kentucky. Mm. That's not the Transylvania mm. we're going to. This Transylvania is in Romania. I think it's Romania now. It used to be, you know, whatever happens with those Eastern European situations. We are going to 1974's Young Frankenstein, mm. an American grandson of the infamous scientist struggling to prove his grandfather was not as insane as people believe is invited to Transylvania, where he discovers the process that reanimates a dead body. Particulous. Young Frankenstein came out, came to life <laughs> on December 15, 1974. It's a yeah, Christmas this, movie, huh? Christmas film. It's, it's wild, all these spooky time movies never have spooky time releases yeah it's directed by mel brooks who also did blazing saddles the producers space balls and most recently history of the world part two on hulu did mm -hmm. you anybody oh, yeah. watch it i watched mm -hmm. it it was fun mm -hmm. he is the husband of anne bancroft legendary screen actress a serious a serious mm -hmm. actress i'm serious Nerd alert, he was born in a tenement in Brownsville, Brooklyn. Oh. And Mel Brooks grew up in Williamsburg, which I'm assuming oh. is very different. I think <laughs> I would imagine. Experience. When he was 14, he worked as a poolside entertainment at a Borscht Belt hotel where he met an 18-year-old Sid Caesar. Wow. Can mm -hmm. you imagine the two of them? Oh, man. So also, when he was 14, he learned to play drums and was taught by none other, none other than Buddy Rich. Oh, so he was, he was taught to play drums by one of the greatest drummers of all time. He, so then he went on, was a musician from 14 to 16, and he would fill in. And at 16, he got his big break when he was able to fill in for a sick MC. Oh, which <laughs> sounds kind of funny in the parlance of our times. He was a senior in 1944. That was his senior year of high school. So based on his, he, every senior had to take a test for the army because they wanted to know who are the super intelligent ones. And he applied, uh, got really high test scores. And so he was sent to VMI, the Virginia Military Institute. Oh, drink. Drink. Tommy drinking the bath, the toilet water. Oh, that was good stuff. Um, so he went to VMI and he was taught electrical engineering. He served in the army. He was over in World War II. He was in the Battle of the Bulge. He Whoa. saw shit. Um, yeah. in fact, I wanted to ask you, Ma, if um, maybe he paths, crossed paths with uh, with Paul because he he Very was in the awesome. the engineering thing and he built bridges over rivers in Germany. Oh, that's just freaky. Very possibly. Could yeah. Have been. I wonder if he was like, did did Paul ever say like, oh, that Mel Brooks? I I know a Mel Brooks in the 
Or maybe he wasn't going by Mel Brooks when he was exactly. in the army. Exactly. Because he, he had a different name that he changed it to, but I didn't write it down. So you have Google. Everyone can look it up. I would think that their noses would be a kinshipness with them. I know. My dad's nose, Mel Brooks' nose, very... You got a schnoz! You got, you got a, a schnoz! Um, the screenplay, it was co-written by Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder. Yes. Gene Wilder also wrote and directed The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes's Smarter Brother, which I haven't seen, but really want to. He also wrote and directed The Woman in Red, which I remember seeing as a little kid and thought it was very funny. And he also wrote... See no evil, hear no evil, which is one of my personal favorites. I'm sure it is doesn't that with Richard Pryor. Yes, where one oh, was God. blind and one together? was deaf. Oh, yeah. my God. So, of course, this is based on the 1918 novel Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. It's edited by John C. Howard, who also did Blazing Saddles, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and History of the World Part One. And many more. The music is by John Morris, who also did Blazing Saddles, The Producers. And speaking of Borscht Belt uh, comedy places, he also did Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing oh. takes place in a in a Borscht Belt type um, the resort. The Catskills. The Catskills were Borscht yes. Belt. Yeah, it was like the Borscht Belt. Um, so would you like to explain Borscht Belt to people who don't understand what it is? Not really, because I didn't okay. really write it down. But it was like um, in the in the eastern mountains where the people in Philadelphia, New Jersey, New York City would go into the mountains and vacation. It was exactly. in um, so dirty dancing. Poconos. The Poconos. Oh. Yeah, and um, depictions of it in uh, what was that? Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, like yes. where they go on vacation yes, and stuff, definitely. that kind of thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. a lot of people got their start there. Um, let's see. The director of photography is Gerald Hirschfeld. He also did My Favorite Year, The World's Greatest Lover, and The Car, to name a few. Mm -hmm. And we have <laughs> one face. of Poppy's movies, The Car. Oh, I have to drink on that one. Mm -hmm. Wow. And the credits in this film, there's a special uh, credit special thanks to Kenneth Strickfadden. Because one of my favorite parts of this movie. Go ahead. He created the lab equipment for the original 1931 Frankenstein, mm -hmm. which we did as episode number 141, and also The Bride of Frankenstein, which we did episode 187. Mm -hmm. Damn. Mm -hmm. You can go and listen to those. So um, actually, when they started making this movie, Mel Brooks found out that Kenneth Strickfadden was still alive and living in the valley, and he went to visit him, and sure enough, in his garage, he still had all of the props oh, and wow. equipment. Oh, wow, it was in his garage? I didn't realize Yeah, that. it was just in his, in his garage oh and stuff, and so Mel Brooks... Um, he paid he rented he was like look like, oh my gosh can can we rent these from from you and i'm going to put your name in the credits which was something that didn't happen in the original film exactly. kenneth strickfadden wasn't in the credits so he got a special that. shout out and in the credits i love that uh, <clears throat> starring gene wilder as dr friedrich frankenstein he, Gene Wilder was in Blazing Saddles, Bonnie and Clyde, Silver Streak, which we mentioned last week because Joe Beth Williams, also Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. 
nerd alert, it was his older sister who was really into acting. And Gene Wilder saw it, saw her having fun and said that he wanted to try it. And so he did. And his mom saw what, like, oh, my gosh, he's super talented. He needs to get out of Wisconsin, which I wonder how the sister felt about that. Like, (laughs) do you? I think you might have an inkling. <laughs> um, so, but then he, so um, the mother sent him from Wisconsin to Black Fox Military Institute in Hollywood to oh, be shit. closer to Hollywood. And oh, shit. there, yeah, he was bullied and according to Wikipedia, sexually assaulted because he was the only Jewish boy in school. No. Anti-Semitism. Oh, wow. Will not go away. So he ended up going back to Wisconsin, but he still continued to act. So that was good. Um, and I think it was Anne Bancroft who, I think he was in a play or saw, or Anne Bancroft saw a play. It was either saw a play or was in a play with Gene Wilder and and Bancroft was like, I got somebody that you should meet. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. We have Peter Boyle as the monster. He was in Taxi Driver, The Candidate, Malcolm X. But everybody pretty much knows him from Everyone Loves Raymond. Yes, the father. Mm-hmm. Oh. He had such an illustrious career. He was in so many films. Um, we have Marty Feldman as Igor. Mm-hmm. He was also in... So good. Silent movie, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother, and Yellowbeard. This is what Wikipedia says. <clears throat> Feldman suffered from thyroid disease mm-hmm. and developed Graves ophthalmopathy. You're right, ophthalmopathy. Uh-huh. Causing his eyes to protrude and become misaligned. Yeah. A child, a childhood injury, comma car crash, comma, a boating accident, comma, and reconstructive eye surgery may have also contributed to his appearance. What? That's in Wikipedia. Damn. So it just sounded like the guy came by it honestly. Yeah, I've just recently been seeing commercials for that thyroid disease that causes bulging eyes. And when I watched it, I went, he's got to have that disease. Or it was the boating accident, the car car crash, crash. childhood injury, and the reconstructive surgery. (laughs) On top of it, this is a all of these things could be true. Exactly, exactly. I'm surprised after all that the man had eyes. Honestly, just wow. Um, We have Cloris Leachman as Frau Blücke. <laughs> she was in the last picture show, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. She was in the Mary Tyler Moore show. Mm. Here's one. Ma, did you know that she was uncredited, but she was the grandma in Bad Santa? Yes. Can okay. I make you a sandwich? Uh-huh. You need a that, sandwich? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And she was briefly Timmy's mom in Lassie. Oh my god. Until she was replaced by June Lockhart because of contract disputes. Mm. Wow. That yeah. would have been a totally different mom for Lassie. Well, no, that's the thing. Like Cloris Leachman was such a great actress. Remember, oh, like yeah. we 
she was in the last picture show and none of us were until we like finished it we're like wait that's chorus leachbridge she yeah. was awesome yeah that's the thing about all of these gene wilder peter boyle marty feldman chorus leachman and the rest that we'll get to it's not that they're comedy actors like they're actors who understand comedy yeah, yeah she threw on the wart on her chin and Mel Brooks said, what's the deal? And she said, it's for character. And it was <laughs> yeah. perfect. It was yeah. perfect. We have Terry Gar as Ingna. Excuse me, North Hollywood High's Terry Gar. Oh, my God. As Ingna. She was also in The Conversation, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Tootsie. And she was a sought-after guest of The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and Late Night with David Letterman because they both loved her, obviously her beauty, but also she had such quick wit when she was mm-hmm. sitting on the chair. She was just one of the best guests of all time, um, which I think that's high praise coming from those two. Oh, yeah, because they don't... Uh, well, I know Johnny Carson isn't a praiser of many people. Yeah. Kenneth, Mar- Kenneth Mars as Inspector Kemp. He was... In Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, the producers and Fletch, I kept like I was like, why do I know his face? I'm he was in so many other things. I'm guessing also he was in Car- the Carol Burnett show, and I'm thinking it was like from Fletch and so many other his films. But there wasn't one that stood out to me. I was like, oh, it was that guy. He, I guess he just has a that guy face to me. We have Madeline Kahn as Elizabeth. She was in Blazing Saddles, Paper Moon, and Clue, to name a few. And finally, as Clue. Harold, yeah, came up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. See, I don't think we've done Clue, have we? Mm-mm. I don't think we have. Um, Gene Hackman as Harold the Blind Man. He was in I the French. I didn't know till he spoke. He was in the. He was in the French Connection. The Poseidon Adventure, Bonnie and Clyde, and also another film that came out in 1974, The Conversation. So he had finished The Conversation and he was We like, did that, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was the one with all the noise. Yes, yes. And Terry Gar was in that as well. Yes. Remember, it was the, it the was San like, Francisco, and he was in San Francisco. And, yeah, he recorded the, the conversation of the man. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And yes, they were yes, having yes, an affair. Yeah. And you yes. and I didn't get it or something. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Seems about right. It was too artsy for us. <laughs> and those are the particulars. Well, let me set the table. This is a black and white movie. We see a castle on the top of a mountain as Eastern European music, aren't you proud of me, plays over the credits. It is raining and we see a clock strike 12. There is a coffin with the name Baron von Frankenstein on it. Someone opens the casket and there is a skeleton clutching an ornate box. The box is taken. The movie cuts to Dr. Frankenstein teaching a class about the central nervous system. After class, an old Milan man brings Frankenstein (laughs) the ornate box that contains his grandfather's will. What could go wrong? Why was he buried with the will? 
It did break. And in why his were skin. they bringing it up now? It, uh, and has that coffin been sitting there all this time? Well, was because one thing I read it was his, so that was his grandfather. I guess his grandfather died before his great grandfather, and it was upon the great grandfather dying that they went to him. Uh, okay, I missed that part. But that maybe, so maybe I could have that. That sounds right. And know. with this movie, you didn't really have to follow yeah, the plot perfectly. Yeah, yeah. No people of color. Oh, no. At, yeah, in the medical scene. In the medical. No, there's three. Oh. I, counted a, I counted a black woman, a black wow. man, and For an Russia. Asian man. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I just don't see I was fully prepared for, because that's the first thing I noticed. I was fully prepared for it to be all white men in that class. And then I saw a white woman, and I was like, oh, a woman. And then mm-hmm. I saw the black man. Mm-hmm. I saw the oh, black the man. Class that, and then... that he was teaching? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Because I was okay. in more of the 70s time frame. Yes? No, I thought the movie like still took place in the 30s and that the original Frankenstein took place prior to the 30s mm. like right like Frankenstein wasn't okay it was because to... when they were in Transylvania everything was like it would have been in the 30s but I didn't yeah know that was just a carryover or whatever so, well Frankenstein is set in the late 1700s yeah okay late 1700s so I don't I knew that it wasn't supposed to be, but I, I, I don't know. And based on the medical knowledge, it seemed like they weren't in the 70s. It's set in 1934. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But well, that's why I was like, great-grandfather was still alive? 300 years later? 200? Oh, I don't know. Okay, okay. okay. I don't know. Yeah, okay. That just... That, Went over I think my head and I still enjoyed it. Doesn't the matter. Movie. That's the exactly. They don't, yeah. Doesn't matter. Because I mean, they had a black woman and a black man and an Asian man in the medical school lecture. So at night in 1934. Yeah. Just if only. So that's what I have for POC count. Okay. So we are to cast. Yes. I was gonna dig into the medical fields, but I mean, it speaks for itself. But I didn't look into it. But the fact that there was only, you know, even so, there's one black man, one black woman. Right, right. One Asian man, you know. The song Putting on the Ritz. Okay. It was written by Irving Berlin. He was a, a very prominent writer, Jewish fellow. I believe he wrote... White Christmas. And, a, and it was an... America the Beautiful, like one of the patriotic America songs he wrote. What's his name? One of Irving Berlin. He wrote a, a lot of a lot of songs, but this was the first song to be sung by an interracial ensemble. It says it's based on the expression quote to put on the Ritz, which was slang for to dress very fashionably. Um, it that saying inspired the name of the Ritz Hotel in London. In 1982, there's a synth pop cover version by Dutch singer Taco that that video played very heavily on MTV. 
in the original video for that, that had color, uh, it had characters in blackface, and it was ended up being banned by many networks. Um, not in 1982 though. But then there was an alternative version where most of, but not all of the blackface is removed. Which brings us to the original lyrics, because this song was made back in 1929, and that was before, like, Gary Cooper. If you listen to the 1982 one, it references Gary Cooper and stuff. So here are the original lyrics to Putting on the Ritz. Uh, I'll warn you, it's not—it's more of an interesting—the racism that's in the lyrics— are more very subtle. <laughs> so in some mm. ways, I'm like, ah, this isn't um, a, my old Kentucky home or Star Spangled Banner type situation. Okay. But the lyrics are, the original lyrics are, have you seen the well-to-do up on Lenox Avenue? Lenox Avenue is in Harlem. On that famous thoroughfare with their no- noses in the air, high hats and colored collars, white spats and $15, spending every dime for a wonderful time. If you're blue and don't know where to go, why don't you go where Harlem glitz, putting on the Ritz? Then there's another line, spangled gowns upon the bevy of high browns, from down the levee, all misfits putting on the Ritz. Oh. So high browns. So um, <clears throat> storefronts used to or store. Well, what I had read, somebody said that high browns is definitely in reference to black people. And it's definitely reference to um, <laughs> me, <laughs> you know, the lighter skinned. Oh, the light brown browns. People. Yeah, high browns. For, and then oh, also like the, because they would, because of colorism, you know, lighter skinned people would get hired for storefronts and models and stuff. And then there were the darker skinned people who are, you know, walking on around the town and stuff, putting on the Ritz. So then it says, come with me. We'll all attend their Jubilee and see them spend their last two bits putting on the Ritz. So basically the song is, if you're feeling blue, come on down with me to Harlem to watch and feel sorry for these poor black people thinking that they're having a good time as they prance around in their fancy clothes and attire and having a good time. But they really can't be having a great time because <laughs> they're black. <laughs> and they're and, they're using their last pennies here, and so they're not going to eat for a week. But it looks like they're doing great. This is all in the... This song is white gays, so they're basically like you know looking at this. But if you're feeling down, like here's the thing, you're the sad one. 1929. Mm-hmm. This is right smack in the peak of the Harlem Renaissance. Yeah. They are living their best lives in Harlem, and this song is all about like, oh, look, if you're feeling down, watch what they're doing. Oh my gosh. Meanwhile, like. They are basically creating what is going to be cool for the next 100 years. You got the Cotton Club. You got basically teeny. It's that whole picture that we sent you mm-hmm. of <laughs> how much fun they're having, and that these people are like, oh, look at them, thinking they're so great and pathetic, fantastic. Pathetic excuse for humans. Isn't that wild? Just mm-hmm. to, of just, but you're the one that's sad, and so they make you feel better. That the only thing that you have to make yourself feel better is like, well, I know they look like they're having a fantastic time, but 
I'm not black. At least I'm like, white. Yeah, but you're the sad one, motherfucker. Like, wow. Yeah. So, so those um those lyrics got up, have been updated a bunch of times. You're not gonna hear really about the high brown. You're not gonna hear about the Lennox Avenue, and all of that. So, they kind of took that all out. I but, love that it ties into the map that we that we gave poutine yeah because i had to look it up i was like wait 1929 like isn't that the harlem renaissance i'm like yeah i'm like wow okay interesting interesting hmm fun well not but fun okay (laughs) but america (laughs) (laughs) and then there's that okay so we're to nerd alerts and um i don't have any I don't either. All right. Well, the top five movies of 1974 are... graduation from college year. Oh. Mm. Number five was The Trial of Billy Jack. Yes. Oh, yes. It was, yeah. Mm -hmm. Number four was Earthquake. Oh, another um, disaster movie. I don't number remember th- that one. Number three, Young Frankenstein. Wow, bravo. Mm-hmm. Number two, Blazing Saddles. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. Oh. Because um, Mel Brooks was work was just That's finishing the same up. year? Well, Mel Brooks was just finishing up Blazing Saddles when... But I thought that's how they got the idea for this. Yeah. How did they do it, it so fast? Because it... Well, different... It takes different time, like you know, movies different, a lot of ins and outs and what have you. Post-production. And this came, remember this came out in December, so Blazing oh, Saddles yeah, could yeah. have come out in mm. earlier yeah, in the earlier. year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But still, that it in December, that's how that's how much money that it made. That it still went up to number three. Nice. You know. Nice. Um. So the number one film of 1974 was The Towering Inferno. <gasps> With our own. And the Oscar nominees for the best picture of the year. Okay, these are going to be totally different. The Towering Inferno. Yeah, well. (laughs) Lenny. It was about Lenny Lenny Bruce. Bruce. Mm -hmm. The Conversation. Oh. Oh. Chinatown. Ah. (laughs) And the winner, The Godfather Part Two. Oh, of course. Yeah. So 1974, mm-hmm. very good this, year for films. Ah, uh, the 70s. I'm telling you. What do I, I always say them. about the 70s? Man. Well, it was a night- decade. Whew. Okay, so settle in for well, what was happening in the world in 1974. Oh, can't wait. That's all good things. Yeah, it was all rainbows and sunshines and buttercups. Okay. Apologies for butchering this name. The Kiryat Shimona massacre occurred. That was when three members of the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine General Command, which the General Command left the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine because the General Command thought that the PFLP was uh was it militant enough but the ah. p 
FLP was known for pioneering armed aircraft hijackings. Yeah. So wow. The, this was the time of the air. Yeah. Planes yeah. being hijacked. So the general command was like, those guys are a little too soft. We need to up it up notch. Damn. So three members of the, that, the general command crossed the Israeli border from Lebanon. Now remember we, last week we did 1982, a film in 1982. And remember how we were talking about like the civil war that happened in Lebanon and how Israel was going into Lebanon and like had to come out of it. But because that's where all the terrorist groups were in Lebanon because it was having a civil war. So it was a great place for them to hide out. So they crossed the border from Lebanon. At first they went to an elementary school, but it was Passover. So the school was empty. Wow. Yeah. So then they entered another building where they killed 18 people Eight of them children. Like just wounded 16 and then blew themselves up when Israeli soldiers stormed the building. So it's just, mm-hmm. I was like, I believe that the people of Palestine have the right to exist and freedom just as much as the people of Israel have the right to exist in their freedom. I don't believe that you can just go around killing innocent people and innocent children, especially, and just running amok like that. I just, I listened to the three-part dollop series on John Brown, and John Brown was considered a terrorist, but John Brown was also one of the greatest Americans, really, in our nation's history, because he was, like, the, like slavery was an abomination and I don't, he didn't care. He was like, I will pick up and bash in the skull of anybody who disagrees with that notion. Right. But he didn't go around beating in the skulls of, of, he didn't go to an elementary children. school to make yeah. his point. He, he beat the people who were like, no, we want to have slaves. Like oppressing him. That's who, yeah. That's who he w- went after and did raids against. He wasn't, but the people who were like pro slavery and stuff, they didn't have that kind of ethos. They would just slaughter yeah. innocent people. So when you're defending your right to exist and you're defending you're you're defending yourself, which I mean, like you know, where Israel is, there are people who believe that it shouldn't exist and want to wipe it off the face of the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're you have every right to defend yourself, and you have, every, but you have to be careful not to become the same monster that you're fighting against. Mm-hmm. You know, like the answer isn't going to be found in massive seizures of land and property, unlawful killings, forcible transfer, drastic movement restrictions and the denial of nationality and citizenship like that's all stuff that if that gets done to you you would be like no i'm gonna fight Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what i have to do so why do you think that that's the answer you know like the the government and stuff so that's just wild 1974, you had the Troubles in Dublin and Mana, Monaghan oh, bombings. Yeah, the, the bombings. You remember the Troubles in Ireland? Uh-huh. It was between... No, I don't remember. The Irish oh. Republican Army. Only yeah. one of us was alive then. 
Oh, excuse me. <laughs> wow. Well, that would be me. <laughs> oh, only one of. Oh, okay. Yes. I thought that you were. I. My dyslexia. No. Yeah, I was like, why are you laughing? You're making my head bump hurt. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, I don't know about the troubles. Uh, I didn't go into. Oh, okay. So basically, the troubles. There's more to it than this. There's a oh, lot the more nuance. Huge. But basically, if you look at Ireland, Ireland is an island. and But there's a part of Ireland that's called Northern Ireland. And so Northern Ireland actually um, is part of the UK and Britain. And oh, weird. it's all, weird. it's it's very ethno-nationalism, a lot of ins, outs, and what have you. But you, Basically, it gets boiled down to Catholics versus Protestants. So, yes. Maine, Ireland, Catholic. Catholics versus Protestants. Yes. Exactly. And Northern Ireland being um, Protestant. So, two different it, flags on, on St. Patrick's Day. Wow. Yeah. It yeah. all depends on you got to make your decision on how long you want to be sitting in church on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've never. <laughs> Oh. We got news for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot. I'm just saying a black church service. Whew, Catholics have nothing on a, on a Baptist although, church service. Although, to be fair, the black service, the music, it, at least go. it's going to be entertaining. It's definitely, it at least you get to move around. I yeah. know Catholics, you do get your exercise in. I hope you don't have bad news. Yeah. Well, exactly. With the kneeling exactly. and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. but, you know, the black church is, you're going to get fed afterwards and it's going to be delicious. It's going to be amazing food. The, the music yeah. is going to be fantastic. There's going to be drums. There's going to be live drums. There's going to, you know, there's, it's going to be fun. You're going to understand the lyrics. It's not going to be in Latin. And you're not going to have to stare at the Jesus on the cross painfully being crucified. It's absolving you of all the guilt. A lot of the, like, you take out a lot of the guilt when you go into the the Protestant part of it. It's just, you good, we good, it's good. So, um, but the troubles, so the Ulster Volunteer Force exploded four car bombs in Dublin and Monaghan, Ireland. It killed 33 oh, people. Oh, yeah, we did, because we talked about Irish car bombs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Killed, Bad. it wounded 300 people. It, this is notable for the Troubles because this made it the highest casualty event during all of the Troubles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's 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 lit the mood a bit. West Germany wins the World Cup in soccer. There we go. Let's continue to lift the mood a bit. Nixon resigns. Oh, that was that was that was ah. oh, that was perfection. This yeah. is interesting because this man is very interesting for people to go and, and look up in, in the Googles. But Hali Salis of Ethiopia is deposed and the Ethiopian civil war starts. Remember we did um, about the the Indo-Ethiopian wars, about like how Italy was over in Ethiopia and stuff. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so Hali Salis, he, he kind of came about in that. But he is also a key figure in the Rastafari religious movement in Jamaica. Like, he's considered a deity. And it's very interesting to go through and read his Wikipedia because the man lived so many different lives. He was deposed. Like, his deposed here, he was an old man. He had already been deposed and in exile and come back. It's 
crazy history. Yeah, that just... name, I remember that name a lot. And you'll hear it a lot in, in hip-hop and stuff, <laughs> Holly's Delise, and just gets referenced. And you're like, wait, he was like a key religious in Rastafari yeah. Jamaica? How? Yeah. So it's crazy. And finally, I had not heard of this war. The... Kutenai War is declared in 1974. Has anybody heard of this? Never heard of it. Well, Amy Trice was a chairwoman of the Kutenai Tribal Council, and she declared war on the United States of America. Okay, so she was, um, okay, none of the terms are correct. She was a native. Uh, she was a a first American. She mm -hmm. was the people who were here when Columbus said he discovered it. Mm -hmm. So okay, so this was a first American who declared war. This there was a lot of stuff going mm -hmm. on with mm -hmm. the Native Americans, first Americans. So um, in the in the 1930s, the Kootenai Indians lived in teepees near Bonner Ferry, Idaho. And then I'm sure a lot of in and and what have you, basically a lot of United States government fuckery, their allotment of land had been dissipated by the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. I mean, wow. What we did to the people who were here first is just mm -hmm. ridiculous. So the lo a local doctor managed to persuade the government to build 18 houses. They would have running water, but there would be no bathing facilities. The bathing facilities were provided by a community center. In 1974, by 1974, nothing had changed. They still had those 18 houses with the running water. But from the 1930s to 1974, if you wanted to take a bath or shower, you had to go to the community center. And so the Bureau of Indian Affairs said that the tribe was too small to qualify for any assistance. Oh. I'm, so, I'm sorry, we've killed all of your, all of your tribe people. and now all of your people. Small. Right. Now you're too small for any assistance. So, so Amy said, okay, if you all want to play that way. And she had the tribe members set up informational pickets and ask for 10 cent donations along U.S. Highway uh, I think it's 85, I because 95 is written here, and that is wrong. I think it's 85. Tini, could you look it up for me real quick as I continue? Thank what you. Um, what's, how do you spell this? The K-O-O-T-E-N-A-I. Kootenai. If, if, if they were a tribe who had teepees, then they were, they were the Plains Indians, and they followed the buffalo. That's mm -hmm. why they had the teepees that were mobile so that they could follow the buffalo. And that was their source of life. Right. But then, the, you know, the land gets exactly. you're only because like, no, now John have... Dutton had to have his land in Montana. So so they just set up these informational pickets and they asked for donations. And so they basically closed down the U S highway. So if you're on the, if you're on the West coast, imagine that they did that in the five freeway, just North and Southbound lanes, just saying like, okay, but here's some information about like what, what's going on. Could you please give a 10 cent donation? So then quote the state Kate. So the state 
this is a quote from her. The state police came with mace and sawed off shotguns, mm. Trice said at the time. Quote, the closest thing we had to a weapon in our tribal office was a fly swatter. Wow. So, you know, 95. they just... Oh, it was 95. Okay. Mm. Long Highway 95. So, they just came out, you know, as they do, with the mace and the sawed-off shotgun. So, Amy said, all right, if that's how y'all want to play, I'm going to call the American Indian Movement for some help. Now... That kind of changed things because the American Indian movement, the previous year, they had gotten into an armed standoff at Wounded Knee in South Dakota. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that's where they took over, like, the building and stuff. And basically, because of that, it was reported from the news, U.S. senators went. um, And so that resulted in the general public support because for the first time, people were finally starting to learn about the United States' long-standing history of fucking over the native population in every single imaginable way possible exactly. from the jump. Yeah, that's and, when I was... Isn't that when Marlon Brando had um, the Native American woman pick up his I think Oscar it would, for him? It would... Because this... It, maybe... What year? We're talking 74. 74. Uh, it might have been Mar- 70. Because this was. Might have been 73. Yeah. Because, yeah. It might have been 72 or 73. Mm-hmm. But for the. Because before then, it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but this is all kind of coming together where for the first time, you know, Americans are kind of like, but wait, I thought that like. The Indians, like, that's why we have Thanksgiving, because they were, like, nice. They were, and, they were. And then, and then, like, you know, we just, then there was, like, land, and we just them. got here. Really? Yeah. And then fucked them again, and then fucked them again, and then fucked them again, and fucked them again. Uh, yeah, people were just like, no, Every we treaty. just came. We just came to to Kansas and Minnesota and all these places, because there was just land here. There, people weren't here. I was like, yeah, people weren't here because the, the the government rounded up everyone and sent them on a trail of tears. You know, wild. Yep. So um, within a few weeks, the tribe was able to get concessions and land grant from the federal government. So they were like, no, what you guys just want? What do you what do you want to you be able to shower? Land? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Don't don't call don't call them in. It's fine. Well, We'll we'll take care of it just here. Would you like a casino? We didn't know <laughs> that you wanted to shower. Just, we thought that was your way. Just yeah. So it's just just very wild to that when you think about it. Like oh yes, yes. there were people here yes. all over. And what happened? I recommend the documentary Exterminate All Brutes. I, pretty much lists out all of the treaties that America, that the people here signed with America and that America just like, burn. Yeah. Wild. There are so many treaties. Oh, so, so many. Cause I mean, but then, but that's the thing of when people have like want a, just the decency of freedom and it's the whole like oh well just okay that hey we're gonna we're gonna do like what do you want us to do we're gonna be cool and 
nothing happens, that's when you get radicalized people. Like happy, mm-hmm. content people don't get radicalized. Right. Okay, we are to uh, reheatables, negatives. I never understood Gene Wilder's hair part. I mean, it's like a, it's like a, what is it called? A comb over? But it looked like he had hair all over his head. So why did he part it there? I actually have that in my good reheatables because I feel like his wild side part and his mustache feels very on Gen Z to me. I feel like I could walk around Silver Lake or Brooklyn and see men in their mid-20s right now rocking that style. Am I lying, Teeny? For Gene Wilder? Yeah, his wild hair part. It's that wild it was hair way, part, and then it, it was way, way over. It was like down here. I've seen yeah. it, and then he has the mustache. I'm like, I have seen that. Yeah, I could totally see that. You're see? right. Walk around mm-hmm. Brooklyn for a minute. Remember it's that the, when you played basketball, Aaron, and and the Robinson coach had that, but that was because he was hiding a bald spot. Yeah, that was the Donald com- Trump over. Yeah. Okay. This was just. It was. It's fun. Also, it's funny. It is fun. And that man was phenomenally funny. Uh, His washing his hands. Now, was that in the original one, how he just put his hands in water? Like that was actually washing them? That's what they did. Yeah. (laughs) That was their version of washing things. Yeah. Okay. And the little girl lived. (laughs) I know. So that was nice. The little girl lived in this version. So that was a negative for you? (gasps) Yeah. Oh no, no, that was a fantastic damn. one. God wow. damn it, why did that little girl have to no? I went into my positives there. I just had my two negatives, his hair part and washing hands. Um you know, I didn't really write down there weren't a lot of negatives for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't really write down things, but I did write down the no railing on a stairs. That's not good. Danger. Oh. It is. Yeah, I noticed it. I did notice it. There's been a couple of things, like, lately, because of Ma's incident, I have been paying more attention to stairs, and this... I remember because these stairs are in the castle, so there there isn't like the railing, like you say. And there was something else that I was watching, and it had the similar kind of thing, like there's no railing. Yeah, and then I was, I was watching something about Machu Picchu, and I was like, because it's on the top of a mountain, and I was just like, how many people just tripped him, just whoa, just fell I off the side. You, when I went to my, uh, I had to go back to the eye doctor for my um you know when they whatever so, my fell down the stairs going to the eye doctor and when we say stairs we thought it was just a few but it was like 15 stairs it was like the exorcist it, steps it was it like was. the exorcist steps it, inside it it's was 16 steps crazy that she's just here it it really is because it's a very narrow staircase and um okay so yeah i'm but I went back and I I said, um, do you have an office manager I'd like to talk to? And so, of course, every red flag is up in the entire office. So she comes out and she sits down next to me and she's like, what are you going to tell me? 
I just want you to know when I was here on October 7th, I fell down those stairs. And she was like, oh my God, why didn't you tell me? Well, I'm not walking back up 16 steps <laughs> to tell you I just fell I just down them. Steps. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I had to go to the hospital to check my brain. <laughs> exactly. I said it didn't even occur to me to let you know, but I did want to let you know now. Um, you know, I'm fine. I have some severe bruising, but it, no broken bones. All and she said, you know, lately we've had so many people complain about those steps. Yeah, think <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, there were railing. There no, were railings <laughs> on both sides. They they were like wooden planks instead of like a. a mm. But I did try to grab on one, and then it. I don't oh, know. Well, just whatever. But like, you're not was... required to have an elevator for an a for a doctor. That's what I'm saying. And so I told them I'm gonna have to find a new eye doctor. I really liked my eye doctor in that group. Um, I feel like he might be on the spectrum, but you know, he's he's very focused and everything. But I, I said I can't do those steps anymore. And the fact that you, it's not handicapped accessible. That this is not okay. So I, before my next checkup, I have to find a new eye doctor. Yeah, look at that. Fighting the fight. The ADA fight. I have, did you, you, that was it, right, Teeny? For the stairs. Yeah. yeah. I have, oh, man, the townspeople not trusting scientists because they think that they're going to try to rule the world. And I'm like, oh, man, listen to them just not trusting scientists. Mm. But then, in their case, being right. That's why it's a negative reheatable to me. Because I'm like, well, I mean, in this instance, my man's kind of trying to bring, like, messing with bringing back the dead and all this stuff. And they they got a point, but I don't like the, I don't like the precedent that it's setting. Exactly. And how do we determine who gets to be brought back? Well... Do you get scared and can you read the person who is getting the brain? <laughs> turns out, because are you afraid of fire? Is Abby Abby normal? I just got Abby normal, not the scientist <laughs> you told me to get. It's just Abby normal. Um, and my final, well, it's not my final one because one of mine is in my LVPs, but this one is I like. <laughs> This is a negative, but it's really a positive. All those fancy people who came dressed to the Ritz, as it were, to watch them do putting on the Ritz. Yes. So we're sitting there, and as they're sitting there, they they came with their f- pockets full of produce. Just yes. And all the nice. Who brings kale to a, to a show? It's a Mel Brooks film and stuff, but it just made me laugh because I was like, where's all this lettuce coming from? That's what I wanted to know as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, positive reheatables. The little girl lived. That is a positive. She looked a lot like the little girl from the Ridge. Mm-hmm. And I like the whole setup of that, how, because you're like, well, when I first saw this movie, I hadn't seen Frankenstein, so this scene didn't really hit for uh, yes. me. Yeah, but then me after too. seeing yeah. Frankenstein and then seeing this, as soon as she's with the little girl, it's like, oh no, she's gonna get thrown in. But this is a Mel Brooks film, so it's gonna happen. And I like, I like how it 
went back and forth with the parents of like, who is this? Where, where is she? She, where is she? Oh, and then the whole like slingshot into the bedroom and she's asleep. It's yeah. like, ah, ah. nice. I liked, uh, okay, I love the walk this way. Whenever mm-hmm. I go into a restaurant and, a, and the um, hostess or host says, walk this way, I think of this movie where you mimic the way that <laughs> I do every time. Well, and Aerosmith made their song because Yes! Mm-hmm. Yes! Steven it's Tyler crazy. thought it was so funny. So then Run DMC did their famous cover of it. So there are people who, I'm not one of them, but there are people who believe that this young Frankenstein then, because of the Run DMC cover with Aerosmith, basically created hip-hop. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm I'm not oh, one of them. Wow. Although the Run DMC cover was the first hip hop single to reach the top five on the charts. Wow! So that's why I've made that's the funny. the joke that there are people like, oh my god, Young Frankenstein created hip hop. That is that's good, and they really I I feel like they really worked hard to stick to the original script, except when they threw their craziness in. Because the the opening scene of the castle up on the hill and the rain and all that. Yeah. Also, I read that this film was like twice as long. And they were like, this is a disaster. They said for every joke that worked, three jokes didn't work. So they just basically did an all night, just cut up. And they cut out all the jokes that didn't work. And then they're like, (gasps) oh. You've made a masterpiece. Yeah, but wouldn't you love to see the jokes that didn't work? I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, that could that could go either way. You know, it could. It could. Uh, my turn. Mm-hmm. Well, the nods to the original. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's always fun. Uh, the whole I wrote the whole thing. Uh, the castle. This sedative joke when he's trying to when they're doing the, oh he's yes. trying to get them to put the sedative sedative and he's do it what's that game called charades Abby Normal when <laughs> Igor thinking he got somebody named Abby Normal's brain yes um yeah the jokes were good costume hair and makeup mm-hmm. All the, like, what about the, when he's knocking on the door and then and it's huge and it goes to Gene Wilder, he, he's looking at the door, but Terry Gar's breasts are in his face and he's like, what? Knock yeah. Like, just yeah, that, toilet humor. I mean, all the jokes at the, in the end when he was like, I know, when you and um, the monster switched brains, I know that the monster got part of your brain, but what did you get? Yes. <laughs> Ha-ha! <laughs> I have... The only thing I have to add to that is when um, the doctor has to say goodbye to Elizabeth at the beginning, and, and he can't because she's all gussed up, yes. ready to go out. Oh, my and God, so yeah! <laughs> they touch elbows, and I'm like, oh, 2020, remember that? Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Cute. Okay, it's Teeny's TikTok Corner. I don't have a TikTok Corner this week. You don't have to. No. So we are to quotables. And 
you know, you enjoy watching it and you go, oh my God, I have to have some quotables. So I have a few. My grandfather's work was (laughs) (laughs) doo-doo. The staircase can be treacherous. Little boys are not supposed to play with fire, Adam Bush. And the the audacity, too. It was me who got blamed first. I don't remember any of that. (laughs) I mean, if you would ask me, I would have immediately said, Aaron would never light anything on fire behind the big chair. Who has the history behind the big chair? (laughs) Um, I thought the, the hump thing was funny, mm-hmm. that going joke, was. but when Frankenstein meets him, he's like, you know, I'm a rather brilliant surgeon. Perhaps I can help you with that hump. And Igor just looked and said, what hump? Yeah. <laughs> uh, never mind. Never mind. Um, he would have an enormous schwanzenzucker. Yeah. I looked up what that schwanzenzucker. Actually... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I looked up what it actually stood for. Tail tucker. Big. Oh. Like the literal translation is tail tucker, but I think schwanz is like a slang for the male member. Yes, it is. But the the actual literal translation is tail tucker. And then when they're going into um, one of somewhere, and uh, Igor was like, "There's, it might be dangerous. And he said, wait, master, it might be dangerous. You go first. <laughs> um, walk this way. Walk this way. Yeah. I have, uh, no, it's pronounced Igor. Yeah. It came after his whole, like, Frederick, Frank, you know, Frederick von Frank and that whole thing. And he's like, Igor. Um, man. So these are the rest of these quotes are just because I find Gene Wilder to be hilarious. Yes. And one of my my favorite kinds of I guess genre of comedy or something is I'm really big and we'll get into it more in my MVP. But I really like moves and like reactions and and just weird moves. And I also like the the guy who is. You can tell that he is pretending to be completely calm. And then the the massive explosion of anger, I really like. So when he gets mad at the lecture and he just yells, hearts and kidneys are tinker toys. That cracks me up. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, hearts and kidneys are tinker toys. I mean, he kind of has a point with kidneys because you can go without one, but your heart, come on. And then... When he he thinks that he's brought the monster to life and it hasn't worked, and he's just like, no, no, be of good cheer. If science teaches us anything, it teaches us to accept our failures as well as our successes with quiet dignity and grace. And there's just a beat, and then he just goes off and starts choking the monster, and is just telling, you son of a bitch, bastard, I'll get you for this. What did you do to me? What did you do to me? I don't want to live. I do not want to live, mama. It's, it's, 
It's just so funny to be how he just goes. His like seriousness, it's what got me in, like in Blazing Saddles. It cracks me up. It's it's the thing. Like I'm not a big Willy Wonka like m- the book or whatever, but the thing that I love to, there's this one move move. It's at the beginning of Willy Wonka and it's when he's walking down and he does the trip flip and comes back up that it kills me every time. Oh, uh, it it's man, that guy was hilarious genius. to me. So hilarious. So those those were my quotables. Okay, we've done every quotables. So my LVP. Okay, so I was really uncomfortable when this happened in the movie, and, and I thought it might maybe I'm being snowflakeish, but when the monster talked, it was like when people make fun of yeah. uh, non-hearing people talk. Especially yeah. in the Ritz. Yeah. I, I just, it was just so uncomfortable. I don't know what else they could have done. And I know a lot of it was Peter Boyle just, um, it wasn't well, scripted. And, and he's an abnormal monster. So it, I mean, that's just us yeah. bringing our thing about how bad like just the negativity of humanity towards other people to it when like his character i mean that's how it would like he's a monster exactly he didn't really have vocal cord uh, all that but yeah it was uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because you know that people will also like mimic it like kids will be mimicking that yeah and and then it's like duh yeah Yes. When I mimic it, it's with love <laughs> from, from the okay. students who used to say things to me. But, okay. but it okay. is with. Yeah. All right. I'm not okay. mimicking anything now. <laughs> when you had in the past. <laughs> um, my LVP is going to be controversial, I think, now. Oh, I like Ooh. controversy. Gene Wilder's face. Oh yes. wow! Just his face in general. Wow! You don't yeah. think he has dreamy eyes? Gene Wilder? Yeah, Gene Wilder's eyes. Let me make sure I'm looking at the right person. No, there's something about him. Maybe Ooh, you may a- you may need to walk very carefully. You're talking about there's something about that man's face that you don't like? No, it's just like, I, I think it's the Willy Wonka. I think it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I think it comes from just being Willy Wonka. That's just Yes, like, because oh, okay. that's such a duplicitous character. Yeah. Like, is Willy Wonka a really fun guy or is, is he really like ready to throw the kids in the chocolate river? And like and these are the same in this one. You went from not wanting to do anything that your grandfather was doing, and to now here you are. Embracing it. I just uh, feel like he's up to no good. Yeah, he he does have a very good up to up to no good. It is an up to no good. 
I like that they gave him eyeliner in this. I thought it made his eyes pop. I, yeah. I did too. I'm like, I'm like wait, do I need to start doing eyeliner? And he does have nice blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Beautiful blue eyes. It's the hair on top of the head that kind of makes. Oh, it you don't, you don't, you would like textured hair. You would rather Aaron? it be. Aaron? Hey, Aaron? I'm just saying, did you hear the news that has come out this week about the lawsuits against Revlon and L'Oreal for the hair straightening because black women are suing because of the high amounts of like uh, cancer? Oh, and I they're saying totally that, believe that. Yeah. And I'm not saying Let this that. this man's wildly textured hair do what it wants. Exactly. And you know what? He made it work for him because mm-hmm. it was all part of the package. Mm-hmm. No, uh, yeah. But it, but I'm just saying, like, but that's part of it in the 70s. You know, people, I mean. Oh, my God. The products in the 70s. Yeah. yeah. He looks like, I think that's his natural hair. I'm looking at him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he I think I have a, like, him as a normal person, I, it's just all the characters he plays. I'm always just like, yes. oh, you just, I still feel like you look... he could have parted it at, at, at a higher place because it wasn't like he was But that's not comedy. Yeah. yeah, it's true. It's, it's comedy. True. His hairline, that is wild comedy. It is it's comedy. hilarious. Yeah, and that, and his, his. And he's uh, always wearing goofy outfits. Like, when you look at him, <laughs> when you look yeah. at him as a normal person dressed in his normal, like, here I am, he looks like he's just, like, a rich white man walking on the beach somewhere. Because. That's what he it's was, like, probably. But. Yeah, aesthetically, I got nothing to offer you. I got comedy from head to toe so if you like that come on you know we can have a good time but if you're looking Mm -hmm. for brad pitt you're not seeing it here it's the same way i feel about tom cruise having a punchable face oh that is true okay i'm i get it so you just like i think you know what i wonder about the characters that annoy me like i like was willie was Willy Wonka the first Gene Wilder film you saw? Um, a one thousand percent sure. So I think okay. I just yeah. Willy yeah. Wonka, and it just puts something in my brain. Yeah. Meanwhile, I think that probably Hear No Evil, See No Evil was probably my first oh, Gene Wilder. Yeah. I've heard of that before. This oh, podcast, we're gonna do so. it, and it's probably gonna be all negative reheatables and all highly problematic. And probably. I'm yeah. gonna be like, I still laughed. I'm sorry. I'm I mean, sorry. It's gonna some things be, are funny. I mean, it's going to be really bad, though, Ma, because one of the characters is deaf, so that's going to be horrible. Yeah. And the other one's the other one's blind, and that's going to be horrible. Like, it's going to be highly problematic and definitely a movie. Is that, that the they one where they not... go to jail? Yeah. They... Well, oh, my God. It's silver... hysterical. I just remember, like, and people, they'll be like, oh, Silver Streak is the best that those two did. Like the that Pryor and Wilder did together, but I think that that's that's the classic. I was a little kid and saw this movie, yeah. and it's gonna have little kid gags that. Yeah, just, and then gonna like, you're this. gonna see adult gags that, that you didn't. Yeah, get. That I'm like, oh my <laughs> god. So my LVP scene is the 
a salty scene between the monster and Elizabeth because it, while it does is comedic and stuff, it does have the undertone of implying that a woman could be saying no, but be persuaded into consent oh, by yeah, a, yeah, that was Orvis, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, and then the Schwanzenstucker was, you know. It, 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 it was larger than uh, normal. I know, but and they like I don't know. The, you know, everybody has different, yeah, uh, different agreed. things. Sometimes agreed. it's, it's yeah, too big. If a woman says no, it's no. It mm-hmm. you know maybe she's sad about it later, but yeah, yeah. So it was that. it was just a little bit like oh. yeah, agreed. agreed. I don't I don't really like the message that this is sending. I understand where the comedy is coming from, but yeah, I'm not and, a big fan of the yeah, yeah. And in '74, no means no, but it didn't. I mean that. That. Can I add something else about Gene Wilder? Sure. Because apparently he was cracking up so much during all of the takes that sometimes it took 15 takes to get one scene. And while that's funny to watch on blooper reels, you know those people were like, "I just want to go the fuck home tonight." Yeah, like Florence Leachman was scene. really frustrated with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. Continue that MVP. But they were making a funny movie. Okay, my MVP. Mary Shelley for writing this in the first place. Oh, good one. So many remakes. I mean, she wrote this story. How many remakes have there been, and will there continue to be? Bravo, Mary Shelley. Bravo. I saw it sitting on my bookshelf. Oh, yeah. You have to read it and let us know. <laughs> yeah. I'll get to that in a few years. Um, my MVP, my runner up is the scene where with the little girl when he sits mm-hmm. on the seesaw and she goes flying into her bedroom. <laughs> yeah. That happened to me once. Not All the way into your bedroom? No, but I had a friend and she said, let's get on the seesaw. Now you close your eyes. And I did. And she got off. And yeah, I, that was always the fun thing. It, was it? Oh, it no. Was it I hate the it. one left on it. Let me tell you something about a seesaw. That was not a fun toy for it's me. Dangerous toy. <laughs> oh my because God. Oh, I was God. the heavy one. So... All the seesaw was for me was work. Now, looking back on it, should I have really probably leaned into the work? You so yes, could have. I should have. Oh, my have. God. You but I did so many people into their bedrooms. But I didn't. And this, you know, <gasps> this is an embarrassing story for me. And it, it's one of those things, like, looking back on it, it's like, oh, man. But I was always the heaviest. So playing on the seesaw, you know, it was a lot of work. But I had a front one friend who was bigger than me. And I was like, let's get on the seesaw. Because that was my one time where I got, I was like, ah, seesawing. Because she was heavier than me, but we were still kind of like close in in mm-hmm. in weight. So it so I could like feel like, ah, this is what other people feel like when they seesaw with me. And I was like, ah, seesaw. But I but I feel bad because I knew, like, I gate. I was like, oh, she's bigger than me. Let me get on the seesaw. Yeah. Damn. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, I was like, oh. It's my girl. Yeah. I was like, oh, I got to take advantage of yeah. this. Come on, let's go on the seesaw. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I know who that friend is. Yeah, because being on a seesaw with my brother, it was just... I, I think to he... try it these days. Adam, <laughs> if we see a seesaw, we should get on there. We're about the same weight. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that'd be it fun. was so, like, different when it was me and my brother. Yeah. Because yeah. then he would tell me, no, get off, to make it fun for him. To, so they yeah. would plunge down to the ground. Because <laughs> him being in the air was just his legs. was just like, this is... I'll let you know how it goes. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I had to engage the glutes. If I had known, I probably wouldn't be in the situation I am in now. I just had no idea. These thighs well, have always been for looks only. They have no power, which is the tragedy of my life. It is. These if legs. you put those suckers to to work. No, they. I don't know what's inside them. There's nothing but air. I don't know. It's just they just taught yeah. me because they they are the laziest motherfuckers in this world. When you swim, and there's so much you only used your arms. You never knew that your legs could help you. This is what I'm dealing with now is I'm doing these PT exercises and I'm like, apparently these things have just been coasting. They, yeah. I have I have just America legs, just white man America legs. I'm just coasting by on the other's hard work. Well, my true MVP is the cast. The complete mm-hmm. cast. Yeah, really. they were all really good. And Jim Wilder oh. is funny. Oh my um, God. Yeah, they were all very good. I all... I, 10 out of 10 casting it did would have been it looked like it would have been fun to make other than not being able to finish the freaking scenes but exactly exactly i want to go home to dinner now stop mm-hmm. laughing or maybe i don't want to go home to dinner now keep it up let's go guys this is fun <laughs> depending on your domestic situation i could just you see yeah. both sides i have honorable mention because we've said it before, but I actually found these guys' names in the different researching I was doing for Tasty Titties. But the production design, that's Dale Hennessy. Mm. Fantastic. Fantastic. Those are 30 feet tall. Um, Here's the thing. This movie doesn't have CGI. So all of the effects and stuff is practical, which is nuts. The makeup by William Tuttle... Um, there's more that I have with this. The special effects team of Henry Millar, his dad, Mal Millar, and Jack Monroe. The costume designer, Dorothy Jenkins. And the cinematography by Gerald Hirschfeld. There's, I found an article that we'll get to later on um, from the American Cinematographer magazine. It's online. And I got some great things about it, but he really talked about how each of these people really, they worked so hard to mimic the feel of the 1930s. I mean, movie. they the did a really good job. It really does feel like it's part of the gay franchise. Yeah. Like, yeah. And watching it in 2023, I forget that like, oh wait, no, this was made in 1974 because it so easily fits into all of the old movies that we watch from the mm-hmm. 1930s and stuff and just chef's kiss. But my real MVP, because I just love a good move. When young Frankenstein is in the medical lecture and he's, and he gets mad and he has the scalpel in his hand and he gets so mad. He's like, I care about the living. And he stabs his thigh. He does the 
funny. I just kept rewinding it over and over again, watching it again. Because he stabs his thigh, looks down, moves his hand away from it, then retouches <laughs> it, and then crosses his legs, and then tries to like be all nonchalant as the pain is starting yeah. to really affect him. That. That reminded Hilarious. me of um, one time when we were working together uh, on Monday mornings, we would, I would have to do these like, business walkthroughs and we were in the middle of one and um, all of a sudden Adam came up to me, um, the group of us just holding his hand and he just said, I need someone to take me to the emergency room. <laughs> and he had drilled a hole in his hand. But was like the calmest, like, like I'm gonna need someone to drive me. And he drilled a hole in his hand, and then it, it was he kept to school. That was like me whenever. Maybe it's Jeanette. Remember my when I impaled my leg, and everyone was like freaking out. But man, Eric, R.I.P. And my other kids were freaking out, and I was just looking at it. And I was just like, I, I think, I was just like. Go get my mom. <laughs> Somebody go get my mom, please. Yeah. I remember, like, I didn't freak. Like, that wasn't when I had the freak out. The freak out would... Did I freak out? Yeah, I, I probably did. Or did I? I don't um, think you freaked out with that or your knee. I'm not a big... I remember, like, definitely crying for my knee because I had I had a scar... Like, I don't know. Something sliced my knee up, and they had to do stitches on my kneecap. And that Ooh. was not a pleasant... Ooh feeling and i remember crying but i don't remember screaming but i remember that you prompt you were like what toy do you want what name the toy that you want like that's the only time you've ever like said you can have anything that you want and i wanted these they were these lime green transformers that were construction things and i think i thought that they would be in turn into a voltron i think that right. like you could piece them all together but it never but i got them <laughs> And it's never that's not when you got Voltron. I thought you got Voltron for that surgery. I don't remember when I got, I remember I got, the, well, I'm, that wasn't the surgery, that was the knee. That was when I got oh, my knee okay. stitched up. You were yeah, like, what, your what father toy was you gone for both situations. So, <laughs> I got very tense when my father went away. I'm like, what is she gonna get herself into now? Because I was not the, the adventurous one, these things are. My bike fell over. I went to pick up my bike. I fell on top of it. My leg got infected, almost lost it, had to have surgery. I knelt down in the ground. I was playing baseball with my dad. Well, he was there for that. I just knelt down, like took a knee. I, I Kaepernicked it, came up, and my knee was sliced open. Like, it was never these wild athletic feats on my part. No. It was always me being cautious and then getting jacked up. Like, exactly. when I hurt my, broke my foot, it was me sitting on a skateboard. Like, it was never, <laughs> I'm, I'm athletic and adventurous. <laughs> no. I did not do a recasting because it's been recast so many times. The yeah. only, I didn't either, but there was an actor who kept, I kept thinking about, I was like, he could be kind of in a, a Gene Wilder thing if he wanted to. I like it when he dabbles into comedy and stuff, but he's known as being a serious actor. 
But I think recently a lot of us have seen his comedy stylings and we've seen it before. But there was a lot in Gene Wilder that reminded me of Ryan Gosling. Oh, oh. I could see that. Yeah. Like especially like in the Barbie movie and stuff. Yeah. And and his stylings, I was just like, wow, this Yeah, it's I'm like, liking him better as comedic. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's it's like yeah. he's a um like like a, a more conventionally attractive Gene yes. Wilder. Yes, yes. And there's just the stuff that he does, like when he hosts Saturday Night Live, whenever he pops up and he does comedy and stuff, I'm just like, this guy is, he, he'll do moves, he has moves, he does, like he'll be weird, and it, I don't right. like it. Right. Well, there's that whole, wasn't that Ryan Gosling, the whole internet trend of Ryan Gosling hates cereal? Oh, I don't know. Probably. I'll have to. I'll have to figure out who it was. It was just. Um, oh yeah, because of the faces he makes that remind me of Gene Wilder, where it, it's just like a somebody put together all of his faces he makes in all these movies, and it's just somebody trying to give him a spoonful of cereal in front of the TV. Oh, that's and funny. Like turning yeah. away. Mm-hmm. That would be yeah. good. Yeah. It is good. And oh, he's good. good. He's good with being calm and then doing the just exploding in anger mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh-huh. And he's he I feel like he's really good at knowing when to use his conventional attractiveness and when mm-hmm. to like like use it. He just knows how to use it. So then he can also use that for comedy purposes as well. Exactly. Because if you look straight on with him he can look gorgeous or he can look not gorgeous. <laughs> Just normal. <laughs> well, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're to tasties. And my favorite one, Aaron already told you about Mel Brooks finding the guy who did the original electrical equipment for the mm-hmm. 1930 movie and, and giving him a credit at the end of this movie. I love that. Yeah. Gene Hackman was originally uncredited and he volunteered to do this role for free because he just wanted to try his hand at comedy. Gene Hackman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The priest. Not Gene Wilder. Okay. Yeah, well, he, right. you have to think of, remember the, how, I mean, he was doing like the French connection. He was doing the conversation. So it was all these serious things and stuff about being paranoid and having to do that. He just wanted like, just, I just want to have some fun, man. Mm -hmm. And he ad libbed a line at the end. I forget what the line was. Oh, I was going to make you a espresso espresso. Espresso. Um, and then Christine has already told us that 1974 Aerosmith did their song Walk This Way based on Igor telling mm-hmm. Frankenstein Walk This Way. And that whole thing was a um it's an old vaudeville joke. So it's been around a while. Really? Okay. Because, because it plays sense. on on the English way of being a direction and also like a mannerism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 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 
the staff at a restaurant will still say, walk this way. And so you want to mimic however that person is <laughs> you, walking. You do that. It gets very problematic back in the 80s when there may have been, you know, different reasons why people walked differently. And yet Ma is like, <laughs> it's a bit, it's comedy. <laughs> it, this is this is gold, people. It's you gold. don't understand, but in a few years you will. This is comedy gold. And uh, second second week in a row the skulls were real oh shit the skulls oh. except for the very last one which was marty feldman they were real what in, what in the world makes real skulls hey well they were real authentic. skulls but the like william tuttle did do the because he was the makeup so he had to like do the differing uh, decay oh, amounts no. saying well I mean, because i mean if you can get it, might as well exactly. be authentic about it. Shit. It's, oh, I'm going to have to make a whole skull cat to look like a skull when, like, where do we, here. Where are they getting these skulls, though? I mean, do we really want to, like, yeah. we, there are a lot of, there are a lot of places where you want <laughs> do the Big Lebowski. You want a skull? I can get you a skull. <laughs> you want a skull? I can get you a skull. What do you need the skull? I can, I can air deliver it. What do you mean? Still never seen it. Um. The Big Lebowski. Did we do that Big before, Teeny? Have we done we, it? Yeah, yeah have we did done the it? Big Lebowski. Mm. Guess I'll never oh, see it. We might have to re re re. Nah, that that's one of my it. favorite films of all time. So we can do that again. Oh my god. Um, we talked about this a little bit, but the idea for this movie was formed during filming Blazing Saddles. Mm-hmm. Mel Brooks didn't want to do it at first because he was like, "There's already too many." Frankenstein films mm-hmm. and shout together. out to Mary Shelley and then Gene Wilder was like but get hear me out it was him right mm-hmm. he was like hear me out what if we do it like one of his ancestors that doesn't like to be a Frankenstein mm-hmm. so shout out to Gene Wilder for that yeah um I like the guy it's just I know <laughs> y'all are making me feel bad um, you're allowed to like the faces of the people. I mean, we you at least agree on one face that you like, so we're we're all yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Willy Wonka ness. Um, Gene Wilder didn't want. So I guess Mel Brooks, all the movies that he does, he makes an appearance in them. Like, mm-hmm. yes, what's his face? But Gene Wilder didn't want Mel Brooks to do this. Um, yeah. and he agreed. But thank God. And well, the reason was is because. He, Gene Wilder said, no, you're not going to do it. He said, if you're in it, if you're not in it, I'll do it. Because Gene Wilder was like, you have this, like, you're just so silly. And you have this tendency to always break the fourth wall. So you always Mm. end up, like, winking at the audience and stuff. And we're trying to do this uh, homage slash parody of the 1930s. That doesn't fit. That's Mm -hmm. 1970s style humor. Um. But he did provide the wolf howlings during the werewolf scene. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the cat hit by the dart and Victor Frankenstein's voice. Oh. <laughs> and the werewolf. Yeah. I like the cat hit by the dart. <laughs> <laughs> um, they And then the studio wanted the movie to be in color. Mm-hmm. But yes, they so were like, much. no, we're not going to. So, and then they were even like, well, why don't you film it? And 
why am I talking about this? Just to be Aaron, but film it in a way that it could be in black and white, but then they can show it in color in Peru, I think it was, because mm-hmm. Peru is like really getting into color. They had film. just gotten color. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were like, absolutely not. We're not doing that. Because they knew that they would miss over them. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been the same. This is a film that has to be in black and white. It has yeah. to be in black and white. And those were, we talked about my other tasties. Oh, do you have any, Ma? I did mine. She did hers. Oh, okay. The skulls were real. Well, like, in going with the black and white stuff, they're, the way that this was shot, like, it's not as easy as, like, oh, you just shoot a film in black and white, or and then, oh, it can be in color. Like, when you're really into it, like, you know, Gerald Hirschfeld is, and you know all the nuances, there's little stuff like the... Same in 1931 in this film, the monster makeup, that's green because green shows up a different Mm. way in black and white. Um, It gives it more texture and stuff. So there would, it's not that easy to just be like color it because then it's, the colors will be all wrong because they're like, look, we're filming on this thing. And there was, I mean, in that, the article that I read, um, the story behind filming Young Frankenstein by Gerald Hirschfeld, he used it. DP and Hirschfeld passed away in 2017, but this is online. It was a one of their articles from their archives of American Cinematographer, the magazine. So it's dated December 21st. And he goes through and gets like super technical about the print and about what stop to use and about and he had such a good relationship with the lab of like okay when you process this are you going to use one light or is it going to be a timing thing like the real nitty-gritty of knowing all that stuff and what stop to use and working with stop right what f stop to use yeah like the f stops and then there's also i mean that's an art that because now everything's digital and stuff. But when you were actually dealing with a film, like there was film in the camera, you were taking that film to have it be developed. There was only that, like if the developer, if the lab fucked up, they fucked up, you know, like that was the film. What are you going to do? And it's a whole bunch, there's, there's chemicals. They even like reached out to Kodak of like, well, we want to be able to have it this way. So that then you get like the special, um, there's the speed in film. There's a lot of stuff that is just going to go away because, you know, we don't use it anymore. That's why I was so glad that at the very end when I was in college, I mean, the very end of film, but I, I got to do stuff in film because uh, it's just going away and that and the mm-hmm. whole science behind it, the speed of it, all of that and how it does with light. And there's a, it's so sciencey too, and very nerdy. And I like a lot of myself glazed over when I was reading it. But you know that that was very rare in the '70s because people were going for color, and but they stuck by their guns because they knew that they wanted it to look a certain way. Even the credits, the opening style credits, were very '30s. The mm-hmm. the Irish shot, which the Irish shot is when something like you know kind of goes in in a pinhole and mm-hmm. emphasizes a scene. The wipes that they use, the fades to black, they all use those mm-hmm. to mimic what was in the movies in the '30s. Right, uh, right. The this was nominated for two Academy Awards: Best Sound and Best Adapted Screenplay. Oh, nice. Um, Brooks, Mel Brooks considered this his finest directing work, but he didn't think wow. it was his funniest film. 
And then I read that Gene Wilder thought that this was his best film that he made. Yeah. Um, th- and there's a scene when the villager says that he knows what Frankenstein is up to from five previous experiences. Those, <laughs> those reference the original five Warner Brothers films, Frankenstein, oh. Bride of Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein, The Ghost of Frankenstein, and Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Yes, <laughs> yes. This was, film was a hit commercially commercially and critically. Roger Ebert gave it four stars. He said, quote, the most disciplined and visually inventive film. It also happens to be very funny. Author Bruce G. Hellenbeck said, quote, Young Frankenstein is a movie for film buffs, but written and directed and performed in such a way that average Joes and Josephines can enjoy it just as much for its outrageous and wacky humor. Which I thought like really nailed it. Yeah, it, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. There's such a movie for film buffs, but also like everybody else will enjoy it. Um, there was a musical, Young Frankenstein, the musical that ran on Broadway from November 2007 to January 2009. And now these are the facts that I got from that article, the story behind filming Young Frankenstein by Gerald Hirschfeld. So it was an article that was written by the director of photography. It's very interesting. He said that this film had more photographic and special effects than any other film that he's worked on. Oh, wow. Damn. He he said that the film lab had not processed a black and white film in over six years. So he was very nervous in pre-production about like, oh. And so he ended up talking to them at great length about like everything that they wanted to do. Here's a great story. So... I forget, he was working on, like, there was another film, and it fell through, and he had a buddy who always told him, everything happens for a reason, you know, you just, just let it go, and then you'll soon find out. So something fell through with the film he was on, he didn't have anything else, so... Like, you know, in L.A., it's it, everybody's always working for looking for their next job, their next job. So he got a meeting with Mel Brooks, and... You know, Mel Brooks is the director, so he's basically interviewing for director of photographies. And Mel Brooks asked him about past mistakes that Gerald made on his previous films. The Diary of a Mad Housewife, he says, the, the white tub in the bathroom was too bright. And didn't the gels in the bedroom windows shimmer a bit in the breeze? And so G- Gerald is like, you know, like bristling a bit and like, what, like... How dare this man? But then he realized what he was doing because there wasn't a tub in the bathroom seat. Right, right. And the bedroom was an interior set, so there were no gels on the windows. So it was just Mel Brooks doing his thing of being Mel Brooks. And so then he threw it back at Mel, and he was like, one more derogatory remark about my work, and I'll leave. And then they just laughed because they yeah. were on the same page. And he said that it was one of his – it was probably his most fun that he's had working on a set. Um, he said that he had to learn a new type of photography that didn't have anything to do with mood, composition, and sets. Instead, he had to learn how to photograph a joke because the joke was oh, the whole purpose. Right. And- purpose in the setting of the scene so he right. and like the camera operator like they really were like okay well what's the joke and we have to set it for that um william tuttle he was the makeup artist so i mentioned like the special effects and all that stuff like the the lightning 
and the bolt of electricity, that's real. How like, do they do are, lightning? Like, it's like science and it sounds wildly dangerous, but like the, um, so the scene where he's getting animated, like bringing him mm-hmm. to real life, that's over like 5,000 volts, 500,000 volts of electricity. So Peter Boyle wasn't there. What William Tuttle did is he made a fiberglass cast of Peter Boyle's head, oh. neck and shoulders and then within that cast, so then he puts like the makeup on over it. But to stuff the cast, he stuffed it with, um, th- he filled it with things that resembled brains, skull, and teeth. And oh, they it had self-contained lights inside. So the skull was po- like with a, a dimmer switch. So that's why when you watch it, how it would dim and you would see the teeth and in the inside. Like that's a practical effect. That's not CGI. That's they made that mold and in the inside stuffed it with all that stuff and then had lights that shone and would illuminate it from the inside. Um, they had like the, the lightning and stuff like, um, there's a great photo in that article so you can look it up. There's so many cool behind the scenes photos, but the one that made me laugh hilariously was Ken Strickfadden. He was on the set. And he's here's this old man in front of like this the lab equipment, and he has his finger pointed out, and he has like a look on his face of like no, and it says like basically he's warning the crew to sit stand back because he's about to start sending hundreds of thousands of volts through the studio. So like those lights and stuff, like the scene where he's on the the top and he's giving him life, they had I've I'm not sciencey, but there's th- that thing is um, it's like how static electricity works. So they built up a charge, and the charge would get launched into whatever was the nearest thing. So Gene Wilder had to make sure that the distance between that thing and the that he wasn't close the closest thing that was the distance to that, because then oh, he wow. would be electrocuted. Oh, so as wow. long as it was. And that wasn't really Peter Boyle, but it's there and it builds up a charge and then the volts go through and it connects it. It's like when they have, like, if you go to those science things and how they'll have, like, you can put your hand over and it'll have, like, the electrical charges. It's the Mm. stuff, like, with that. And he also made, like, these coils and stuff. So, and they also did this weird thing with, like, to make electricity, like, a thunderbolt. Like, it was all practical stuff. Like, they're dealing with voltages of electricity that is wild to get it and the stuff that they had to do with the lighting to create um visual effects like when they're in the castle um those are cement logs because in real life you can't have real logs because the it's start stop start stop and you can't do that with logs so the logs are cement then you'll have like lighting coming through but then the light's going to be constant so you have to create something that gives the illusion of a flickering light so they had to you know test and what kind of fabric or silks would work to put in front of that light to give off the same kind of effect Mm. of real light and the same with like the candles the candles had to Mm -hmm. have like a light bulb inside them but the actors when they were acting had to know that 
they're acting, they're giving a performance, but they also have to know to turn the candle a certain way so that the back of the, you wouldn't expose, you know, the electrical thing. Right. They also have like wires going through them in their costumes and stuff. It was just wild to think of. This wasn't CGI. This was like pretty much everything that you saw on the theater. Like that was real. It's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Those are all of my tasty titties. Well, this has been Young Frankenstein. Yeah. A a a humorous look at Mary Shelley's original envisioning. I gotta say, there hasn't been a Frankenstein I haven't enjoyed. I know. And the I fact I'm that like, I, I'm a I, Franken fan. I saw how much this really mimicked the original. I mm-hmm. love that part of it. And um, yeah, so it was a fun look at uh, Frankenstein. So next Frankenstein, week, tomato, tomato. Igor, Igor. I think next week is me. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh-oh. 80s. We're going 80s. 80s. I think. I had a young baby in the 80s. Didn't you have two? Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. uh, Depending how far. Which one are you talking about? Clearly the favorite. Yes. I I mean, I I understood where you were coming from because it depends on when in the 80s. Exactly. You know, if I was a young baby. in this time, 1985. Oh, yeah. Oh, I had two. 97 minutes long. 1985. 97 minutes long. Starring Leslie Ann Warren. Okay. Martin Mull. Michael McKean. Is it the woman in red? No. Oh, Michael McKean. Leslie Ann Warren. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. Madeline Kahn. Okay. Tim Curry. Am I looking at the right? <laughs> Am I looking up the right? Eileen Brennan. Oh. Is this right? Oh. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think so. This is the original. Okay. Um. It's. Kind of spooky, black comedy still. Uh, Clue? Yes. Clue. Oh, I was we like, said I we the actors' Clue. names and the year would have given it away. No, because no, I was like, wh- because I, I was trying to think. I'm like, well, I, I just looked at all our movies and all of these things. But then I remember that you mentioned Clue. And so Missy I was like, orbiting around seen us, Clue. and I figured it'd still be a murder mystery. Yeah, I don't know if perfect. I've ever seen Clue. A 1985 American black comedy mystery film based on the board game of the same name. Oh, this is so up my yeah. alley. Yeah. Six strangers in 1954, six strangers arrive by ominous invitation at a secluded New England mansion. Um, isn't this like there was this other movie that we did where it was yeah, like and that? Little. With, yeah. with what's his face? Wait, Truman Capote. And like it's gotta be based on that, right? 
Yeah. Something about that. What was it? Because we did it not too we recently. Did. Re- Wait, what's Peter Fox was in it. And um, a young what's-her-face that's always old. The- it's not called Ten Little Indians. No. But it was it's- based on that, right? Yeah. It was the wasn't the Agatha Christie thing because Truman Capote and well and that's it, the that's the book that she wrote. Well, that's the. Oh, kind this of is little. good. I am excited about this because I have not seen it. What is that movie called? I know we just did it. I don't yet. Not long it. ago. Like yeah. was it this year? Yeah. Murder by death. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Murder by death. But I don't know. Oh, if yay! Does everyone get murdered in Clue? I don't think so. Well, I don't know. I've never seen it. I've only played the game. I, I know. I used to play the game, the game a lot. We didn't have. Never played the game. I don't think I've ever put, I, I know so. I know the whole thing about it of how oh 1976 is murder by death. Though cuz the whole thing is like the butler did it and with the candlestick in the library. That was with uh, Maggie Smith, a young yeah, Maggie Smith. That, that's who I was saying. It was the lady who's she's always old, but it was with yeah, the young. Yeah, the lady who's yeah. always yeah. old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, this will be fun. Okay, good. Well done. Okay, listeners, this has been, I have murder by death, I have clue in my head, but no, this has been young Frankenstein, Frankenstein, Igor, tomato, tomato. We hope you enjoyed it because we definitely did. And next week we will be doing Clue, which Aaron and I haven't seen yet. So this Mm -hmm. is amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay, listeners. Bye. Bye. Bye.